Okay, today's November the 10th, 2022. Uh, it's the Marine Corps birthday. Not that I was one. I couldn't well, have hacked it. the Department of the Navy, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, yeah, but I couldn't have hacked the Marines. Uh, on our prayer list, you know, our friend Gary Neighbor has passed, and we're praying for his family, Charlotte, and his children, and the close family members, his own mother. <clears throat> Reverend Davis for the treatment he needs to be restored. And for Osman and his church in the Gambia, praying for our children and our grandchildren, for a hedge of protection around them all, a canopy even over them. And um, I'm praying for Marta and Charles, that Charles would start to feel better. He's having to work, not feeling 100%. And for the young man, Sebrin, to for some solution, Lord, of, for his family. Uh, friends of the podcast and the study, John and Ruby and Vassie and Linda. Marcos, St. Ibanez, for his son's salvation. Our neighbor, Dot, she lost her sister uh, recently at 96. And Miss Dot's 95, right? Yep. Bob, his children, grandchildren, and unsafe family members. Uh, grandchildren? I always Maybe. say grandchildren. Maybe you do, and you just didn't know. <laughs> his children I'm sorry dog you should soon um, the current election fiasco I would agree to just pray that that uh, no illicit uh, measures be honored and that God would intervene and that only the true vote be counted uh, the will of the people be upheld in every state and every locality the people in Europe Heading into a rough winter with maybe not enough fuel to keep themselves warm. Uh, folks with medical problems, praying for James, the baby Katie, Brittany, and John and family. I'm praying for Elijah. Praying for Eric, Rex, and Ted. Praying for America, persecuted Christians worldwide unsaved family Ray for him and Judy lost loved ones healing for those who had maybe been injured by the vaccine and I don't think it's a lost cause if you take that vaccine that God can restore you just don't take any boosters for goodness sake protection for Christians George Weiser and senior and junior and also Joe and uh, Brian, um, what's the last name there? Doyle. Doyle. Uh, for salvation. Again, Reverend Davis for healing. And um, Phil Tobelman. And um, had the cabinet shot. Okay. Yeah. Cabinet ordered across from the Baptist. Yeah. Well, let's uh, reach one another. And, Lord, we do thank you for this time of prayer, a time of gathering and fellowship in Christ. We thank you for your word, and we pray tonight we'll learn from your word that you would teach us. We lift these concerns up to you that we've just read, and may they be tended to by your mighty hand and your perfect will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, we uh, are going to... I'm going to meander a little bit, possibly. Let's go to Job chapter 32. 
throughout the book of Job, uh, his three friends are bouncing ideas off of him, and maybe this isn't right, maybe that's not right. But um, maybe it wasn't their place to do that. That's what it sounds like by the way the rest of the book finishes out. Uh, The first verse of Job chapter 32, it says, So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. You don't want to be a Christian who is righteous in your own eyes. Then there's a lot of them. There certainly are a lot of them. A lot of them are leading churches, even in the pulpits. Righteous in their own eyes. Figured they got it all figured out. <coughs> Verse 2 says, Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, <coughs> the son of Barakai, the Buzite, of the kindred of Ram. Against Job was his wrath kindled, because he justified himself rather than God. So Elihu is a very pivotal character. In many ways, as you look at the role that Elihu plays, he is a Christ character, I think. He says he justified himself rather than God. That's what Elihu said of Job. Verse 3, Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled, because they had found no answer, and yet had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited until Job had spoken because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw that there were no answer, there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. And Elihu, the son of Barakal, the Buzzite, answered and said, I am young and you are very old. Wherefore... I was afraid and durst not show you my opinion. He said, you guys are older than me. I kept my mouth shut, but now you're done talking. Now I'm going to say something. Verse 7, I said, days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. I said, days should speak and multitude of years should teach wisdom. He's saying, older people are the ones who should speak. And if you have more years, then you teach wisdom. Verse 8, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. You can be great, and you can be of many years, and you still may not have good judgment and wisdom. Verse 10, Therefore I said, Hearken to me. I also will show mine opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I gave ear to your reasons whilst you searched out what to say. I guess up to this point, we didn't even know Elihu was hanging around listening in on all this. Verse 12, Yea, I attended unto you, and behold, there was none of you that convinced Job or that answered his words. So Job, you know, if you remember, he was really accusing God. 
He was basically saying, I haven't done anything wrong. God is just messing with me unjustifiably. That's what he was saying. He even said at one point, though thou slayest me, I'm going to still uh, keep my opinions. I'm going to still hold my position. And that was sort of a way of saying, you know, God, even if you incorrectly or unjustifiably take my life, I'm standing on my word. I'm standing by what I've said already. Very dangerous place to be. I guess it was verse 13. Lest you should say we have found out wisdom, God thrusteth him down, not man. Now he hath not directed his words against me, neither will I answer him with your speeches. They were amazed, they answered no more, they left off speaking. When I had waited, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more. I said, I will answer also my part. I also will show my opinion. For I am full of matter. The spirit within me constraineth me. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Yet let not let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto man, for I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. Elihu continues in verse thirty three chapter thirty three. Wherefore, Job, I pray thee, hear my speeches and hearken to all my words. Behold, now I have opened my mouth, my tongue hath spoken in my mouth. My words shall be of the uprightness of my heart, and my lips shall utter knowledge clearly. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. If thou canst answer me, Set thy words in order before me. Stand up. Behold, I am according to thy wish in God's stead. I also am formed out of the clay. You see how Christ's character starts to emerge here. Verse 7, Behold, my terror shall not... See, Jesus was younger than all these people that were obviously... Uh, trying to tell him what to do and how wrong he was and how he blasphemed and all these things. Verse 6, Behold, I am according to thy wish in God's stead. I also am formed out of clay. Behold, my terror shall not make thee afraid, neither shall my hand be heavy upon thee. Surely thou hast spoken in mine hearing, and I have heard thy voice, I've heard the voice of thy words saying, I am clean without transgression. This is what Job was saying. Elihu said, Job, I heard you. You said, I am clean without transgression. I am innocent. Neither is there iniquity in me. Verse 10, Behold, he findeth occasion against me. He counteth me for his enemy. Job said that. 
He putteth my feet in the stocks. He marketh all my paths. Behold, in this thou art not just. I will answer thee that God is greater than man. That's Elihu again. You have to realize who's speaking each verse. Verse 13, Why dost thou strive against him? For he giveth not account of any of his matters. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose, and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit, and his life from perishing by the sword. Even in dreams, God speaks to us, Elihu is saying. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones with strong pain, so that his life abhorreth bread, and his soul dainty meat. His flesh is consumed away, that it cannot be seen. And his bones that were not seen stick out. He's wasting away. A lot of times people die of cancer. This is what they look like. Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave. And his life to the destroyers. If there be a messenger with him. An interpreter. One among a thousand to show unto man his uprightness, then he is gracious unto him, and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Continuing to see the Christ imagery, right? Verse 25, His flesh shall be fresher than a child's. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray unto God, and he will be favorable unto him, and he shall see his face with joy. For he will render unto man his righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ. Verse 27, He looketh upon men, and if any say, I have sinned, and perverted that which was right, and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man to bring back his soul from the pit, to be enlightened with the light of the living. Mark well, old Job, hearken unto me. Hold thy peace, and I will speak. If thou hast anything to say, Answer me, speak, for I desire to justify thee. If not, hearken unto me, hold my peace, hold thy peace, and I shall teach thee wisdom. So Job has just been told, You are not righteous. You know, you're righteous in your own eyes, and that's a problem. You say you're innocent, but you're not. You say that God has done these things to you unjustifiably. But he has not. We see the reason. The Laodicean Christian always looks for the easy way out of, of, of a chastening. They'll say, well, 
You know, stuff just happens. And it's true, stuff does just happen. But look what happened to Joe. That's not a stuff just happening. That's the whole rug yanked out from under him. And it just continued. Yeah, Job remained stubborn about it all. And accused God of being unjust, too demanding. So Elihu comes in. And Elihu waits until these other men have spoken. These elders, if you will. You know, well, you know, Joe, maybe this, maybe that. You know, um, Elihu waits. Chapter 34, furthermore, Elihu answered and said, Hear my words, O ye wise men, and give ear unto me, ye that have knowledge. For the ear trieth words as the mouth tasteth meat. Let us choose to be, let us choose us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. For Job hath said, I am righteous, and God hath taken away my judgment. Should I lie against my right? My wound is incurable without transgression. Verse 7, What man is like Job, who drinketh up scorn like water, which goeth in company with the workers of iniquity, and walketh with wicked men? For he hath said, It profiteth a man nothing that he should delight himself in God. Job said this, Look, Look what delighting myself in God did for me. said, what kind of a fellow is this guy, Job? He drinks up scorn like water. In other words, he's being rebuked. He's being told what he has done wrong. He just laughs it up and keeps right on believing the best for himself and perhaps not the best for God. And he said, it profiteth man nothing that he should delight himself with God. I think about any of us could get there at different points in our lives. Like, wasn't all this church going and praying and believing and witnessing and fat lot of good that did, look at me now. That's really what Job was saying. But Job had that flaw that Satan has. Pride. The worst of all sins is pride. Every other sin that you do may grow out of that one right there. Verse 10. Therefore hearken unto me, you men of understanding, far be it from God that he should do wickedness and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of a man shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. Do you know that there are seminary trained preachers even today and through the ages 
that will continually use Job as an example of, well, God's ways are higher than our ways. We really don't know why you are suffering the way you are. We're really not sure. Because, see, Job, he, he was righteous in all his ways. You see that in chapter 1. Yeah, God said that to Satan. He looked to Satan like he was righteous. Certain aspects of Job's personality, Satan probably delighted in. Being prideful. Putting your chest out. Well, one question I have. Um, this is reputed to be the oldest book. Mm. And of course, pre, pre uh, Mosaic Law. Yeah. So <clears throat> what principles did these people work under? Because as I understand it, he was probably um, just a few hundred out, years out from the flood, maybe. Yeah. And, uh, and so we know that there was a time when men started to call upon God. It says the third generation after Noah. Uh, now, so what What gives these people the impotence to, to know that, to think that they know uh, anything about God even? His three friends got rebuked for the things they said. And some of the things they said was, Job, you've really stepped in it, buddy. You've done wrong somehow. You need to start figuring this out. You need to examine yourself. And how, how would they conclude that anybody was righteous? Where were morals? Not? Where were morals? Uh, yeah. Well, that's it. He writes his law on the tablet of our heart. We are made in his image. Um, I believe we know right from wrong. Even, you know, Cain and Abel. Um, now, the Pentateuch may have been written after Job, but. It happened before Job. You know, Genesis certainly did, right? Because there wasn't man here, right? So, so, so there must have been some word of mouth handed down on on uh, the attributes of God and what His requirements were, even though, uh, as Paul said, uh, before the law there was no uh, there was no punishment for sin. There was no because you can't break a law that you don't have. Right. <clears throat> Well, God looks on the heart. We see in, I guess it's First Samuel 16. And he liked Abel's heart, but not Cain's. He liked Abel's sacrifice, not Cain's. Mm-hmm. What caused Abel to do right and Cain to do wrong? They both had the same ability to do right or wrong, but one chose right and the other chose wrong. Um in respect to their sacrifice? Yes. And then Cain chose to kill him. Yeah, I've heard that um, read and studied, understand that uh, Cain offered the works of his hand, works. Yeah. Uh, Abel offered grace yeah. because he just gave up a cow. Yeah. Well, um, verse 10 Therefore hearken unto me, you men of understanding, for be it from God that he should do wickedness, and from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of a man shall he render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. We did read that, but I just covered it a second time. Verse 12, Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. Who hath given him a charge over the earth? 
or who hath disposed the whole world? If he set his heart upon man, if he gather unto himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh shall perish together, and man shall turn again unto dust. If now thou hast understanding, hear this, hearken to the voice of my words. Elihu is speaking to Job, but God himself is speaking to us. Look at it that way. Shall even he that hateth right govern? And will thou condemn him that is most just? Is it fit to say to a king, Thou art wicked, and to princes, ye are ungodly? How much less to him that accepteth not the persons of princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they all are the work of his hands, God's hands. In a moment shall they die, and the people shall be troubled at midnight, and pass away, and the mighty shall be taken away without hand. This will happen in the tribulation. For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his goings. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. For he will not lay upon man more than right, that he should enter into judgment with God. He shall break in pieces mighty men without number and set others in their stead. Therefore he knoweth their works and he overturneth them in the night so that they are destroyed. He striketh them as wicked men in the open sight of others because they turned back from him and would not consider any of his ways so that they cause the cry of the poor to come unto him and he heareth the cry of the afflicted. When he giveth quietness, then who then can make trouble? And when he hideth his face, who then can behold him, whether it be done against a nation or against a man only? That the hypocrite reign not, lest the people be ensnared. Surely it is meet to be said unto God, I have borne chastisement. I will not offend any more. It's a good verse. It is meet to be said unto God, I have borne chastisement. I've been chastened. I will not offend any more. Was Job being chastened? Absolutely. It just still surprises me to hear these under-studied teachers of the Word just go back to Job every time. It's like they read chapter 1 and that's all they need. They read chapter 1 and that's it. And Job was righteous, but God just did all this stuff to him anyway. And in their congregation, what you need to understand is when you know the dipper gets dropped on you, it's not your fault. We serve a God who plucks the wings off flies for His pure pleasure. They blaspheme God. If you didn't have Bible to say that, you shouldn't say it, but we got Bible. We're in it right now. 
Verse 32, that which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. Should it be according to thy mind, he will recompense it, whether thou refuse or whether thou choose. And not I, therefore speak what thou knowest. Let men of understanding tell me, and let a wise man hearken unto me, Job hath spoken without knowledge, and his words were without wisdom. My desire is that Job may be tried unto the end because of his answers for wicked men. For he addeth rebellion unto his sin, he clappeth his hands among us, and multiplieth his words against God. How does some podunk preacher exalt Job as somebody who was just above reproach and is righteous in all his ways? Have they not read this? This is the, this is the worst way you can sin against God. Accusing God. In fact, blaspheming Him. Saying that He's just doing this with no good reason. The only reason I'm going through this is God's just mean. Certain things in life do have to happen. God has numbered all our days. We will, all of us, we will lose people dear to us. As we live on, as we go on longer, we will lose people dear to us. Now you're not being chastened because you lose a loved one their life wouldn't be taken for your chastening. Many times their life is taken for their betterment and their promotion to just get them out of this worldly mess. Chapter 35, Elihu spake moreover and said, Thinkest thou this to be right, that thou saidest my righteousness is more than God's? Did Job say that his righteousness was more than God's? Apparently he did. He's calling him up right there. Well, I think just the fact that he was in total denial about, you know... Anything he could have been done. And what did he do? Well, starting chapter 29 of Job, he, he was longing for the old days when he went into the public square and everybody virtually bowed down to him. He said, when people saw me coming, when I spake, their tongues stuck to the roofs of their mouths. He said, when I smiled on someone, they could scarcely believe it. He really thought he was the stuff. Elihu is setting him straight here. Who is Elihu? He is a Christ figure. He existed. You know, this isn't some allegory. This is a true story. Elihu existed. But in this narrative, he is playing the role of Christ. The younger one, the younger one of all these older people who've had all these ideas about this, that, and the other, then the younger one waits till they're done, and he speaks. And he convicts. He leads Job toward conviction against his sin against what he really did wrong. 
verse 3 of chapter 35. For thou saidest, What advantage will it be unto thee, and what profit shall I have if I be cleansed from my sin? This isn't doing me any good. I am cleansed from my sin, and now look at me. I've lost my family other than my shrew of a wife. I've lost all my livestock. Lost my health. I'm laying around with boils all over me and I'm scraping the wounds with pieces of broken pottery and the dogs are licking me all over. Didn't profit me any to serve God. That's what he's saying. Verse 4, I will answer thee and thy companions with thee. Elihu says, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you an answer. And I'm These guys, this, these other three buddies of yours here. Verse 5, Look unto the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than thou. If thou sinnest, what thou, what doest thou against him? You sin something, what are you doing against God? Or if thy transgressions be multiplied, what doest thou unto him? You know, I think a lot of people... Today, they, they want to sin. They want to do everything that God says not to do because they hate God and they want to hurt Him. According to this scripture, He's not really being hurt by it. Now, it had grieved Him that He created mankind and they had sinned so badly. Yeah, as a whole. But just one little person, you know, trying to spit in the face of Almighty God and it just comes right back down on your own face. It won't... Defront him. Verse 7, If thou be righteous, what givest thou him? Or what receiveth he of thine hand? Even being righteous, how are you benefiting God? This is, this is the question. Verse 8, Thy wickedness may hurt a man as thou art, and thy righteousness may profit the son of man, by reason of the multitude of oppressions, they make the oppressed to cry. They cry out by the reason of the arm of the mighty. <clears throat> but none saith, Where is God, my maker, who giveth songs in the, in the night, who teacheth us more than the beasts of the earth, and maketh us wiser than the fowls of heaven? Nobody's saying this. Nobody's saying, Where is God, my maker? There they cry, but none giveth answer. Because of the pride of evil men. One more time, verse 12, chapter 35 of Job. There they cry, but none giveth answer. Because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. Although, now wait a minute, let's stop there. Job did call out to God, carried on, cried out to God. But if you have iniquity in your heart, you know, you have to deal with that first. You know, Jesus even said between two brothers, brother to sister, whatever, get that plank out of your eye before you try to remove a splinter from your brother's eye. Verse 14, although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him, therefore trust thou in him. You're going to see him. 
verse 15, but now, because it is not so, he hath visited in his anger, yet he knoweth it not in great extremity. Therefore doth Job open his mouth in vain, he multiplieth words without knowledge. Let's see what round time was. In good shape. Chapter 36. Elihu also proceeded and said, Suffer me a little, and I will show thee that I have yet to speak on God's behalf. He's speaking, but he said, I haven't yet spoken on God's behalf. I will fetch my knowledge from afar and will ascribe righteousness to my maker. The righteousness, if I have any, I ascribe it to God. It's on his account. In my Bible, the word maker is capitalized. Verse 4, For truly my words shall not be false. He that is perfect in knowledge is with thee. Oh, wow. Elihu just said, I'm perfect in knowledge and I'm with you right here. Now that almost sounds blasphemous, but he is acting on behalf of God and he said he would ascribe righteousness to God. Here again, the Christ figure. Everybody seeing this? Mm-hmm. Verse 5, Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. He preserveth not the life of the wicked, but giveth right to the poor. He withdraweth not his eyes from the righteous, but with kings are they on the throne. Yea, he doth establish them forever, and they are exalted. And if they be bound in fetters and be holden in cords of affliction, then he showeth them their work and their transgressions that they have exceeded. He openeth also their ear to discipline, and commandeth that they return from iniquity. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasures. But if they obey not, they shall perish by the sword, and they shall die without knowledge. But the hypocrites in heart heap up wrath they cry not when he bindeth them they die in youth and their life is among the unclean he delivereth the poor in his affliction and openeth their ears in oppression this isn't to say dying young is 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 a bad thing remember stephen in acts chapter 7 very young man was martyred Verse 16, even so would he have removed thee out of the strait into a broad place where there is no straightness and that which should be set on thy table should be full of fatness, being straight and being constrained. But, but thou hast fulfilled the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold on thee. You fulfilled the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold on thee. Because there is wrath, beware lest he take thee away with his stroke. Then a great ransom cannot deliver thee. If he kills you, you can't can't be delivered. Will he esteem thy riches? No, not gold 
nor all the forces of strength. Desire not the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, regard not iniquity, for this hast thou chosen rather than affliction. Hmm. Chosen iniquity rather than affliction. Behold, God exalteth exalteth his power who teacheth like him, who hath joined him his way, who hath enjoined him his way, or who can say thou hast wrought iniquity? Remember that thou magnify his work, which men behold. Every man may see it, man may behold it afar off. Behold, God is great, and we know him not. Neither can the number of his years be searched out. For he maketh small the drops of water. They pour down rain according to the vapor thereof, which the clouds do drop and distill upon man abundantly. Also, can any understand the spreadings of the clouds or the noise of the tabernacle? Behold, he spreadeth his light upon it and covereth the bottom of the sea. For by them judgeth he the people. He giveth meat in abundance. With clouds he covereth the light, and commandeth it not to shine by the cloud that cometh betwixt. The noise thereof showeth concerning it, the cattle also concerning the vapor. In my NIV, when I read most of um, what I know about Job, I got reading this, I always go back to the King James, you know, to kind of make it all make perfect sense as I read that. So, verse 37. Chapter 36. couple of places I wanted to find. Um, it was verse 21. Take heed, regard not iniquity, for this thou hast chosen rather than affliction. Uh, just to hear how it's put in the NIV. He says, Beware of turning to evil which you seem to prefer to affliction. I think some some folks are afraid to draw too close to God because they're afraid that all I got to do is start coloring outside the lines just a real little bit there, and and He's going to Klondike me out of nowhere. Let me just toe the line of righteousness and meander back and forth across it, and then maybe I won't get chased. Wouldn't want to be that person. Chapter 37. At this also my heart trembleth and is moved out of his place. Hear attentively the noise of his voice and the sound that goeth out of his mouth. He directeth it under the whole heaven and his lightning unto the ends of the earth. After it a voice roareth, he thundereth with the voices of his excellency and he will not stay them when his voice is heard. 
God thundereth marvelously. With his voice great things doeth he, which we cannot comprehend. For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of his strength. He sealeth up the hand of every man, that all men may know his work. Then the beasts go into dens, and remain in their places. Out of the south cometh the whirlwind, and cold out of the north. By the breath of God frost is given, and the breath of the waters is straightened. Also by watering he wearieth the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud, and it is turned round about by his counsels, that they may do whatever he commandeth them upon the face of the whole earth. He causeth it to come, whether for correction or for his land or for mercy. So when God brings rain, it could be correction. I'm going to flood you guys. Straighten up. Or for the land, I will water the land. Or for mercy, maybe at the end of a drought. He'll have mercy on these. He controls the rain. Verse 14, Hearken unto this, O Job, Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Dost thou know when God disposed them and caused the light of his cloud to shine? Dost thou know the balancings of the clouds, the wondrous works of him which is perfect in knowledge, how thy garments are warm when he quieteth the earth by the south wind? Hast thou with him spread out the sky which is strong, and as a molten looking glass. Teach us what we shall say unto him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. Shall it be told him that I speak? If a man speak, surely he shall be swallowed up. And now men see not the bright light which is in the clouds, but the wind passeth and cleanseth them. Fair weather cometh out of the north, with God, his terrible majesty. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and in judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. That's the end of what Elihu has to say in the book of Job. We suppose by this point in time, Job is that close to just repenting fully of how he had been feeling, things that he had said. We won't read too much further here. um, But chapter 38, this is where God speaks to Job himself. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? 
when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the sea with doors when it broke forth as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud the garment thereof and the thick darkness a swaddling band for it and break up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, Hitherto shall thou come, but no further. And here shall thy proud waves be stayed. We can't take credit as man, as measly little man, for the operations of this planet. All this Greta Thunberg stuff, global warming, and even some of this other stuff we have talked about. God has reserved that. That's His. He's the one who directs hurricanes. Man can't do that. God sends them. He quiets them and He puts them on their way. He's the one who does it. He said, who put these boundaries here, the shorelines, and told the sea, this is as far as you come. Your proud waves are stopped right here. Verse 12, hast thou commanded the morning since thy days and caused the day spring to know his place that it might take hold of the ends of the earth that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal, and they stand as a garment. And from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee, or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? God asks Job all these questions that Job certainly doesn't know the answer to. And this does go on a while. A few chapters here until... uh, We'll just read the first little bit of chapter 42 after God has finished speaking with him. Then Job answered the Lord and said... I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be hidden from thee. You can't hide your thoughts from God. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye hath seen thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is a paradigm that really happened of a person who is righteous in their own sight. You hear people say, I don't need God. I see all these Christians, they're just heathens. They cheat, they lie, they steal, they judge. Don't need God. Yeah, you do. Everyone does. Even these hypocritical Christians. And God, by bringing Job through this period in his life, it's kind of hard to tell how long it really lasted. It went on for a while. Um, 
And Job got to the end of hearing from his friends. They couldn't give him any understanding, nor could they make any uh, headway with him either. He said he was righteous in his own sight. They stopped talking to him because he was righteous in his own mind. I have spoken to Christians before that you do wonder, are you uh, maybe getting chastened? But you don't, you got to be super, super careful of saying that. But um, many, maybe even most, will be like Job. Lord, though you slay me, I will still maintain my ways. These uh, Laodicean preachers use half of that verse, though he slay me. So, um, I, uh, I think what we see here in Job is a beautiful thing. It's a lesson to us not to let ourselves wander into self-righteousness thinking more of ourselves than we should, less of others than we should. We don't want to be taken through those ropes. Right? Mm-hmm. We want to learn from Job. And then, you know, as a person who has never been saved, and we have this encounter with Elihu, who represents Christ. He, uh, he has the wisdom. He said, I'm going to speak for God. Jesus Christ does speak for God. His Word speaks for the Heavenly Father. Anybody have anything they'd like to add tonight? Okay, let's join hands. Uh, Ron, I'll have you close us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We are grateful that we were able to come together in this home. We say your word, Lord, to guide us, to keep us on this Christian path. Lord, we ask that you hear our prayer requests this evening, as I know you will. Yes, Lord. I ask that you bless all of us for this coming week, as we come together again next week, as we grow and further ourselves. Yes, Lord. In your heavenly name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Amen.